0: Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect workshop. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, we will conduct a question and answer session, and instructions will follow at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star, then zero on your touchstone telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. At this time, I would like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Messner, Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead.
1: Well, thank you very much, Candace, and I, too, would like to welcome everyone to today's Cancer Connect Education Workshop, Managing the Costs of Living with Cancer. Now, This has become a very important issue for all of you on the call today and in the cancer community as well. And um, really today 's program is a collaborative effort between cancer care and many other cancer organizations, and it really is because of that collaboration. and all of your interest in this topic and this has become a very timely topic for everyone on this call we have over six hundred eighty six participants on the call today and you 've come from all over the United States, and we also have international participants from Canada, China, France, Turkey and the United Kingdom. Um, so this is a, a global call, actually, with lots of um, interest in this program. Now, today's program was supported by a grant from Genentech, Bristol-Myers Squibb, and Celgene Corporation. I really want to thank them for their support of the program today and for their corporate partnership in making this program possible. Now, we have wonderful speakers on our program today, and I want to begin by introducing our first speaker. And our first speaker is Dr. Leonard Saltz. Uh, Dr. Saltz is Chief Gastrointestinal Oncology Service, Head Colorectal Oncology Section, Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. And Dr. Saltz is going to be addressing understanding the cost of living with cancer and talking with your healthcare team about your financial concerns. And it's uh, now my pleasure now to turn this program over to Dr. Saltz.
2: Hello, everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure to have a chance to talk with you today. Uh, one of the... Issues that patients are more and more being uh, forced to deal with when wrestling with the challenge of a cancer diagnosis is the potential for what we've come to term financial toxicity, the uh, effect that the costs can have on you and your life and your lifestyle. And this is an issue that uh, isn't going to go away by ignoring it. Like so many other aspects of cancer care, We have to confront the issue in order to figure out the most constructive way to deal with it. Now, it has been kind of an unspoken rule in general that we didn't think about costs when it came to health care. But that's really fallen out of date. That's just unreasonable because the reality is regardless of what sort of coverage you may or may not have, there are going to be some costs that are going to come to you. And this is an issue that, first and foremost, you have to be comfortable dealing with in terms of talking to your healthcare team. A lot of patients will say, I'm not comfortable talking to my doctor about cost. A lot of doctors will say, I'm not comfortable talking to my patients about cost. But both are learning that that's just not something we can afford to let get in the way of proper care. And so if you have concerns, about what something is going to cost, about what portion of the cost is going to be your responsibility, uh, concerns about your ability to handle those costs, it's absolutely imperative. It's super important that you feel comfortable bringing it up with your doctor and getting some guidance. Now, some doctors will be able to speak with you directly about it, and others may have a staff in their office uh, that is uh, more specifically informed on the financial issues and can meet with you and help you figure it out. But it's not something that uh, you can uh, benefit from by just uh, ignoring. One of the aspects that many people are confronting these days is that a lot of the newer drugs that treat cancer are very, very expensive. Sometimes the sticker price on these drugs may be a, 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 well over $10,000 per month. And insurance will often cover a large part of that, but you then get into the issues of what is called copay or coinsurance. A copay Is going to be a fixed amount that you need to pay for each prescription. And depending on what your pharmacy benefits are, that fixed amount may vary by certain levels of drugs so that some drugs may have just a few dollars, some drugs it may be higher like 20 or 30, and some drugs it may be even a little higher than that for each prescription. Other situations will be what are called cost sharing or coinsurance where you become responsible for a percentage of the drug price, and therefore the price of the drug may matter. And there may even be situations where your doctor has options of using different drugs that may have substantially different prices and may be very, very similar in terms of their effectiveness, and that may not be on your doctor's radar to consider, so it's worth bringing up whether or not that kind of of possibility exists. Ultimately, the most important thing is you owe it to yourself not to let financial issues become a factor that interferes with you getting the care that you need. You need to get the medicine that is going to be able to treat your disease, and the medicine doesn't work unless you get it and take it. So if you're in a situation where the medicine is prescribed but you have difficulty getting it, unless you communicate that sort of thing to your doctor uh, and get some kind of assistance in dealing with it, you're not going to be giving yourself the best possible chance to get better. Now, a number of the companies that are marketing these drugs have various assistance programs, and they range tremendously in terms of how helpful they may or may not be. Uh, often it will require uh, providing financial information in order to show that you have a need and meet the criteria for it. But if you do in fact meet those criteria, then the these uh, company programs may cover uh, a very large part, if not all, of your responsibility for the drug, and that's a resource that you need to make sure, if it's available to you, uh, that you take advantage of. There are also various organizations, organizations, uh, uh, that uh, can provide uh, philanthropic support for individuals who are having trouble meeting their uh, medical expense needs. And this is the kind of thing where social workers and benefit managers in your doctor's office or uh, that can be identified to you by your doctor can be extremely helpful in terms of uh, getting uh, to the, the finances you need in order to make sure that you get the care that you need. So I'm going to stop at this point because we have uh, a lot of other uh, important information that the speakers want to share, and uh, I want to make sure that we leave time for questions. So I'll, I'll turn it back to you, Carolyn.
1: Oh, Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Saltz. That was really outstanding and really just a wonderful introduction. And really the important message, most importantly, Dr. Saltz has said, is to be sure to discuss your concerns, financial concerns, with your health care team, and that's coming from a physician telling you that. So that's really important um, to keep that in mind. And our next presenter is Dr. Stuart Fleischman. Um, Dr. Fleischman um, is the founding director of Cancer Support Services, Continuum Cancer Centers of New York, Accreditation Surveyor, American College of Surgeons, Commission on Cancer. And Dr. Fleischman is going to address the emotional and social impact of costs of treatment and follow-up care and managing the medical and indirect costs of treatment. And it's my pleasure now to turn this program over to Dr. Fleischman.
3: Great. Thank you, Dr. Messner, and thank you, everybody, for calling in today. We hope this will be useful information for everybody. Um, In the United States, we have certainly gone through lots of insurance changes over the last few years with the development of the Affordable Care Act, and uh, so many more people are very grateful that their insurance will cover um, much of their costs, especially if they hadn't had insurance before or if they have had insurance will cover uh, dependent children or especially important for this called cancer screening tests that were not formally completely covered. Um, But with the rising costs of many of the more expensive treatments, as Dr. Salt mentioned, um, people are frightened. um, And... um, We hear about these things all the time in the treatment rooms and in the radiation centers. um, People are very frightened that they won't be able to afford their treatment. Um, Some people will say, as uh, we've seen in uh, much of the coverage from the media, that some folks feel that they have to choose between paying their rent or their mortgage, and uh, buying food and paying for their medications. and We'd like to get as much information to you as possible, so uh, no one is in that situation. And the idea of um, making sure that you ask all the right questions, the people you're dealing with understand the situation, and you reach out to either a social worker in your cancer center uh, or cancer care to help um, is really, really important. Um, The uh, sometimes... People are afraid that the treatments are so expensive that they may have to stop, and again uh, it's a matter of uh, disappointment and fright, and talking to your treatment team is essential um, that uh, so that doesn't happen. Some people tell us that uh, They are particularly concerned around the time uh, when December moves into January in the new year when a new insurance policy goes into effect, if their insurance carrier has been changed by their employer or because of um, circumstances in their state exchanges. Um, Some people are, again, both frightened and angry that their treatment may change, that uh, they may be told that the chemotherapy that they're on is not covered by the new uh, the, the new plan that's picking up their care after the first of the year or that the radiation center is no longer covered or they're due for surgery and their doctor's not in network or the um, facility is not in network and there would be a significant uh, facility fee. Again, um, make sure that people who know the rules and people who know how to uh, help you uh, appeal this to your insurance company, are consulted, they're on your side, and you have both the information about who to call and what to say, because there are certain safeguards in the system uh, to prevent these things from happening. It's far from complete, uh, but there are certain safeguards in the system for each of us, and we need to take advantage of those. Other things that we hear from people again are in the downside of a new insurance and new financial arena in medicine are that um, they're somewhat afraid that once they leave the cancer center, um, whether it's they've had surgery and radiation or chemotherapy or combinations of treatments, that when they leave and maybe go back to their Uh, primary care providers at home, um, whether they live far away or they live in the community, that the primary care providers are not knowledgeable about the kinds of treatment that they had and the kinds of things that need to be done uh, afterwards. It's not really a a cost um, issue per se, but uh, people are worried that they'll get um, a lot of extra tests that they may not need, and that's where the costs come into play. So, again, important to carry the right information. Many of the accredited cancer centers across the country are now providing survivorship care plans which outline exactly what tests need to be done and at what intervals after your treatment is over. That information should help uh, avoid some unnecessary duplication of tests. As far as um, uh, managing the indirect costs, As Dr. Saul said, some of them may be unavoidable, but some of them may be avoidable. For example, if your um, treatment team is going to refer you to a clinical trial, many clinical trials are available in your home city or even maybe at your home cancer center by another provider because. A lot of the trials are managed not through the central hospitals but through a clinical trials cooperative or many clinical trials cooperative groups that span the country. Um, and those trials may be available in your city. And the uh, people at your own cancer center or the doctor's office where you're getting treatment should be able to find that out. Uh, this is public information. It's not secret Uh, Clinicaltrials.gov has good information about which trials are open where. Sometimes you need a little bit of help going through it because it seems somewhat technical, but, again, the people at your cancer center or in the office where you're getting treatment should help you. Um, it is, um, is it, we are blessed with having a large number of National Cancer Institute accredited centers as well as centers accredited by the American College of Surgeons Commission of Cancer where doing clinical trials or having a mechanism to refer people to clinical trials and come back is a part of their process. Uh, as far as other managing other costs, uh, sometimes we need to rely on our family. Uh, And friends to help us with things that we may be reticent to ask uh, them to do. Many of us like to do things for other people, but are hard pressed to ask for a favor back. And that may be a non monetary favor that would reduce your costs, such as driving you to and from treatment, driving you to and from the doctor's office. Um, And then you can then turn around and give that favor back to someone else after you're feeling better. So uh, reaching out. Uh, for help to your family, your friends, your neighbors, community groups, Um, and consulting agencies like Cancer Care can help you figure out if there are any ways to minimize the additional indirect costs that would really be uh, outside of what the insurance companies would cover. And then finally, as Dr. Sals mentioned, especially with some of the more expensive treatments, um, patient assistance programs are very common. Um, Sometimes people don't know that they're there. Sometimes people don't know how to access them. Uh, There is generally information on the websites and at 800 numbers at each of the large pharmaceutical companies. They want to help you as best as they can um, if your insurance is an obstacle for you to get treatment. So please access those through either 800 numbers or through the their websites, and if you're unable to do that or unable to figure that out, please ask for help, again, through the social worker in your center or the office manager if it's a private doctor's office or agencies like Cancer Care. So there are... great concerns that some people have despite some of the improvements in insurance that we are, um, we are experiencing. And there are a number of techniques to reduce the indirect costs um, that come with uh, getting care in the United States these days. I'm going to stop there and hand it back to Dr. Messler.
1: Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Fleischmann That was really outstanding and really lots of wonderful information for people to um, to, to think about and to utilize and um, and it also builds upon what, what's coming next, so thank you so much. Our next speaker is Ms. Dama Antonides, and Ms. Antonaitis is going to is a, um, a staff attorney, Legal Health, New York Legal Assistance Group, or NILAG, and she will be addressing understanding the benefits and limitations of your health coverage and tips on appealing medical insurance claims and provided denials. It's my pleasure now to turn this program over to Ms. Antonitis. Thank you, Dr. Mesner.
4: Uh, I'm excited to be part of this conference with Cancer Care. I feel that there's a lot of useful information that all of you can benefit from, and we're happy to be here. I'll first be discussing how to best understand the benefits and limitations of your health coverage, some of the changes with the Affordable Care Act, and most importantly, tips for appealing um, and contesting claim denials. Managing insurance can be complicated, so before discussing even the more specific aspects of insurance, I encourage you to set up some sort of systematic and practical steps to keep yourself organized. It's helpful to have a designated area or box in your home where you will be putting all copies of insurance correspondence. If you have computer access, it's also useful to create an account through your insurance company as soon as possible. This will give you easy access to reviewing, claim updates, benefits, etc. cetera. There's been a lot of changes in health coverage since the implementation of the ACA. In discussing health coverage as well as appeals, it's important to know that there are different types of insurance plans. These include group policies from employers, union benefits, privately purchased policies, policies purchased through the Affordable Care Act Marketplace, Medicaid, Medicare, etc. So generally, um, there are federal requirements for all health coverage and plans, but your state may also require additional benefits. So your rights may vary depending on where you live. I'm going to be giving very general advice relating to all, but it's also important to understand the laws of the state you live in. In order to find more specific laws in regards to your state, you can go to the National Association of Insurance Commissioners website at naic.org. You can select your state and be directly connected to your local government regulatory agency. Here you have the opportunity to review state-specific laws, file complaints, or inquire about a policy in your state. It's important to remember that an insurance policy is a contract meaning that you and your insurer must adhere to the rules laid out in this contract. So really the most important advice I can give is to have and read a copy of your policy, or at the very least a summary description of your policy and your drug formulary. This will outline your benefits, any coverage limits, the appeals process, and any limits or exclusions. Any limits must be set forth in the policy or the summary description. You also need to know whether your policy is an HMO, which allows only in-network doctors, or PPO or POS that allows for out-of-network doctors, but often at a much reduced reimbursement rate. With an HMO, you generally have co-payments and sometimes a deductible, and that's really the extent of your financial responsibility, if your doctor is in-network. With other policies, your out-of-network doctor can bill you directly for any amount not paid for by your insurance. Again, you have to understand in advance the limits of your policy so that you can make informed decisions about your medical care. Plans generally purchased through the marketplace are HMOs, and many limit out-of-state benefits. You must review policies offered and discuss with those who support you medically to make sure that they will be covered for all necessary medical treatments. Fortunately, because of the Affordable Care Act, insurers must sell and renew health insurance regardless of health status. This is called guaranteed issue, and a person cannot be denied insurance based on their health. Also, most, most insurers can no longer refuse, refuse, refuse coverage of pre-existing conditions. While a small number of policies that were in existence prior to 2010 and have not made substantial financial changes to their plans are grandfathered, meaning they don't have to comply with the ECA, it's important to check your insurance documents because these plans are few and far between. Another important change that has already made an impact for many of the patients that I work with is the requirement that insurance companies can no longer limit the amount they will pay for medical costs over a year, or the person's lifetime. There's no monetary cap on coverage. This means that an insurance company can no longer say, once we spend a certain amount of money, you're no longer covered. A health insurance marketplace now operates in every state. In the marketplace, you can compare different plans, see if you're entitled to government-paid subsidies to lower the cost, and to determine if you're eligible for free coverage under Medicaid or the newly implemented um, basic health plan, which is now available in Minnesota and New York. You can also access information at the federal website, healthcare.gov. All plans now cover essential benefits, a long list which includes outpatient emergency services, prescriptions, hospitalization, mental health, preventative care. There's four levels of coverage. none initially cover 100 percent of the cost. However, once you've met your out of pocket maximum, not counting your premiums, your insurer will then begin covering 100% of eligible costs. So it's important to review the choices to determine the best coverage for you and considering your cancer and your anticipated treatment. It's, again, it's important to read and understand your benefits. If your policy requires prior authorization, and most do for major medical procedures, radiology, surgeries, make sure to check with your doctor's office or insurance company to confirm that the procedure is approved. If you have an HMO, make sure your doctors are in network. And if you're having surgery, try to make sure that all doctors involved, such as your anesthesiologist, are in network. While some states have started a procedure to protect these surprise bills, um, there are still times where you are going to be faced with this. Even with these new protections, claims are sometimes denied. Your company is required to provide an explanation of benefits, called an EOB, for each claim reviewed. The EOB outlines the amount paid by your insurance, the required contribution, which could be your copay, and if they are not paying the reason, they must include a denial. It's important to read the EOB to make sure that the claim is documented properly and the reason for the denial. Mm. When a claim is denied, your first step should be to call the insurance company to discuss. Sometimes there was a logistical aspect that can be corrected pretty quickly. Mm. Um, Sometimes claims are denied for administrative reasons, such as a wrong code or incorrect policy, policy number, and they can be resubmitted. Make sure to keep track of every call or letter, writing down the date and who you spoke with at your insurance company. Again, try to keep this all in one place so that it's easy to access. With the ACA, health plans and insurance companies also have to tell you why they decide to deny a claim with very specific information. You also have the right to request a full copy of your insurance profile prior to the appeal to see how they reached their decision, including notes made by the case handler and any reports by the insurance company doctor who reviewed your claim. If the matter cannot be resolved through speaking with your insurance company, you have the right to file an appeal directly to your insurance company. In your written appeal, document the reason you disagree with the insurance company and always include medical records and a letter from your treating doctor. When appealing a denial, be sure to explain why you feel the denial is incorrect. If your insurer states the claim is not medically necessary, be sure to have your doctor support why. In your case, this treatment is necessary. Under the ACA, your insurance company must conduct a full and fair review of its decision and must provide a response within a lot time. If the case is urgent, your insurance company must speed up the process, usually within 72 hours. If your insurance company still denies the appeal, then you have the right to request an external review which gives you the right to file an appeal to an outside objective and independent panel, no matter where you live and what type of health insurance you have. The independent medical professionals have no financial stake in the claim-making decision. The insurance company no longer gets the final say over many of the benefit decisions. If the external reviewer overturns the insurer's denial, your insurer must give the payments or services you requested in your claim. Another important ACA protection will be expanded consumer assistance. Thus, the states require the designated independent office of health insurance consumer assistance, and they'll respond to inquiries and complaints by consumers and help file complaints and appeals. There should be a contact number on your state's marketplace website or through healthcare.gov. Finally, it's very important to make sure you understand your time limits to file appeals, as they are very strict deadlines. If you have a policy from an employer, the time limit is generally 180 days. For other plans, a deadline will be set forth in the policy and can be as short as 60 days. Fortunately, about half of all denied claims are, that are appealed are approved. The percentage for external review is even higher. So while it's good to hear that so many of these claims are overturned, it's also can be disheartening to think that you will be forced to deal with this. However, if you draw on all the resources available to you, if you speak with your doctor and your treatment team, and you have adequate medical support for your claim, you stand a very good chance of having your claim page. I also just want to note that enrollment in both Marketplace Plan and Medicare, which I will briefly talk about, are done during an open enrollment period. And if you miss the deadlines, you may have to wait until the following year. The deadline for the ACA plan is in February. There are exceptions, so make sure to speak to someone knowledgeable in this area. Moving to Medicare and Medicaid, these are both government-sponsored health insurance, and both have been improved with the ACA. Medicare is a federal program with rules that are uniform to all participants in all 50 states. Medicare is available to most people age 65 or older who are citizens or permanent residents, and if under 65, a person who has been receiving Social Security disability benefits for a period of 24 months. Medicare is not available to others with some very limited exceptions. Medicare covers, coverage consists of a number of parts Part A, which provides free hospital coverage, Part B, which is medical insurance, which requires a monthly premium. Part D, the prescription drug insurance plans. There's also Part C, which allows private health insurance companies such as HMOs and PPOs to provide Medicare benefits. These Medicare private health plans are sometimes known as Medicare Advantage plans. Moving now to Medicaid, Medicaid insurance is a federal state partnership with shared authority and financing. Certain eligibility rules are established mainly by each state and vary depending on where you live. So, again, it's very important to know your state's Medicaid requirements and regulations. Access is based on being low income with a limit on how much you can have in income, assets, and resources. For those who are disabled or elderly with higher income, they may be eligible through special Medicaid programs. After the Affordable Care Act was implemented, about half of the states included a Medicaid expansion to increase coverage to more lower-income people, including groups such as childless couples that have not already accessed Medicaid. As I mentioned earlier, one application will determine eligibility for marketplace health insurance or Medicaid plans, as well as any subsidies for the premium. Medicaid recipients are also entitled to the same benchmark benefit plans that meet the minimum essential health plan benefits that are available to the new health insurance exchanges. Medicaid is free and is desirable for many people with cancer because it offers often needed home nursing or aids for health in the home as well as nursing home care. The goal of the Affordable Care Act is to enhance the quality of care for all Americans regardless of whether they have private insurance, Medicare, or Medicaid. To summarize, it's important to read your health care policy so that you understand your coverage, what it is required of you, what you're eligible for, how to appeal, and any deadlines imposed. Appeal deadlines are strict, so make sure to read your EOB from the insurance company and respond on time. It's often difficult to keep on top of insurance matters with so much else going on, but with a general understanding of your rights and responsibilities, as well as help from your medical team and groups such as cancer care. You can navigate any insurance issue or questions that come up. I also just want to briefly mention uh, the availability of another resource called the National Cancer Legal Services Network, which is a group of attorneys, like myself, who offer free legal help to people with cancer. This is a national database of free legal services throughout the country. You can check to see what help may be available to you in your state and send questions if there's none that you can find. The website is nclsn.org. I hope that this information was useful to you and thank you very much.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Ms. Antonio. That was really outstanding and so many wonderful resources for people and and, and the concept of being able to appeal and, and just uh, many resources. I know there will be lots of questions to you during the Q&A. Thank you so much. Um, um, and our next speaker is um, Michelle McCourt. Ms. McCourt is Senior Director, Cancer Care Copayment Assistance Program, Cancer Care. And Ms. McCourt will be addressing, understanding, and accessing copay
5: assistance. Thank you, Carolyn. Good afternoon, everyone. My topic today is understanding and access and co assistance programs. As we all heard throughout today's programs, cancer is an expensive illness. And as new and innovative treatments have become available, cancer has evolved from an acute illness to more of a chronic condition. The stress of worrying about how to afford paying for treatment is very wearing on a patient and can really get in the way of managing and treating their disease. There are several different types of programs available to help patients get access to their prescribed therapy. There are pharmaceutical manufacturer programs. To qualify for this type of program, the patient has to be taking a medication manufactured by the drug company. The drug company will typically offer two types of programs, one for uninsured or underinsured patients, and another for patients that have commercial insurance. For the uninsured These programs are usually referred to as patient assistance programs. In order to qualify, the patient must have no insurance or has insurance, but the plan excludes the specific medication. If eligible for this type of program, the drug is provided free. For patients with private insurance, many of the drug companies offer copayment assistance programs. Some programs provide coupons, and the most a patient may have to pay out of pocket for the medication is $25. Others offer a copayment assistance program that will cover the entire copay cost through a copay card. In order to be eligible for these programs, there is usually an income criteria, and the patient cannot have insurance through a federal health or state insurance program, such as Medicare or Medicaid. To find out about these types of programs, you can check with your doctor or pharmacist, or you can do an internet search using the name of the drug as your search criteria. Another important website that keeps a current listing of these programs is needymeds.org. You can also contact an organization like Cancer Care that provides these types of referrals. Other types of programs are offered by independent organizations and are referred to as co-payment assistance foundations. These foundations can assist patients with any type of insurance, including patients with federal health insurance, like Medicare. The difference with these programs is they are administered by nonprofit charities. The funding is available based on diagnosis, so the programs are disease-specific, whereas the pharmaceutical programs are drug-specific. There are approximately 12 national copayment assistance foundations. Some of these foundations provide assistance with copayments and coinsurance for prescription medications, while others also offer assistance with insurance premiums and transportation costs. Once you've been referred to a foundation, get in touch with them right away to start the application process. Each foundation has its own enrollment process, but all must operate their programs based on federal guidance established for providing copayment assistance. All foundations have set financial and medical criteria that need to be documented as part of the application process. If approved, most foundations will establish a third-party payer relationship with the pharmacy or infusion center, or provide an access card that can be used for payment. There are also additional resources available specifically for Medicare beneficiaries. An individual with Medicare as the primary insurance that has limited income but is not eligible for for full state assistance may be eligible for assistance through a Medicare savings program. There are four types of Medicare savings programs. Qualified Medicare Beneficiary, or QMB, Specified Low-Income Medicare Beneficiary, SLMB, Qualified Individual, QI, or Qualified Disabled and Working Individuals, QDWI. These programs are state assistance programs that can help with Medicare premiums and in some cases pay for the Medicare deductibles, coinsurance, and copayments if you meet certain conditions. If you have prescription drug coverage through a Medicare prescription drug plan or a Part D plan, you may be eligible for extra help or low income subsidy. If eligible, this assistance would greatly reduce your out-of-pocket costs for prescriptions. There are also state pharmaceutical programs and programs for the elderly. To find out more information about these programs and to apply for assistance, you can go online to medicare.gov and click on the Your Medicare Cost tab, or you can call Social Security at 1-800-772-1213. But really the best way to find out about all of these assistance programs is to discuss these financial concerns with your health care team. They can put you in touch with a financial counselor or a patient navigator or social worker within their office, or they can refer you to organizations like Cancer Care that can take it a step further and help you find and navigate through the process to find find out about these programs. Thank you, and that concludes my presentation.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Michelle. That was really outstanding, and I really want to thank you for that. Um, I know we've question questions for you about um, the copay assistance program. Thank you. And our next speaker is Jane Levy. Uh, Jane is, Ms. Levy is a director of patient assistance programs, cancer care, and she'll be addressing how to access financial assistance programs, finding resources for financial help, and cancer care's free psychosocial programs and services. It's my pleasure now to turn this program over to Ms. Levy.
6: Thank you, Carolyn. Hello, I'm Jane Levy, Director of Patient Assistance Programs at Cancer Care, and I know this is a topic of interest for all of you, because cancer is an expensive illness, as it's been noted, and financial concerns are pervasive, as well as a significant source of stress. However, having an open conversation about money and the cost of cancer can help you become better informed about your options, and you may be able to reduce the financial impact of your illness. When patients and families talk about the cost of cancer, it kind of falls into three categories. First, there are direct medical expenses, and they would include your hospital and doctor bills, your cancer drugs and other medications, medical copays, costs that we hope are basically covered by insurance, but not always. And then, again, there are all those related medical expenses. Uh, The one that we see at cancer care that's so pressing is transportation, getting back to and forth from treatment, gas, parking, tolls, cabs, there's also a need for home care, child care, medical supplies, food supplements, lodging, and over-the-counter medications. And on top of that are the expenses of daily living, which become a strain when patients are sick, and that includes things like your rent, mortgage, food, utilities, and taxes. I'll try to address all of these. When it comes to managing medical expenses, as the other speakers have noted, it pays to be informed and proactive. Number one, understand your insurance policy so you are not blindsided by charges. And ask your insurance company to assign you a case manager if you have questions. Many people are not aware that that is a service offered by their policies. That can be very, very helpful. Keep a diary of your expenses so you can catch billing errors. And by all means, ask for help. I know when people are ill, people say, oh, how can I be of help? Well, a good way that a friend could be of help is to help you organize your bills uh, and help you keep track of your expenses. And last but not least, talk to your healthcare care team as soon as possible about your financial situation. Uh, talking about financial concerns, as noted, is no longer taboo. Physicians and healthcare care providers are more sensitive to cost, and they can connect you to people who know about resources, people such as social workers, financial coordinators, discharge planners, and resource specialists. These people, in turn, can direct you to organizations and entitlement programs, such things as copay assistance, pharmaceutical support, government entitlements such as Social Security and disability, applications for transportation, as well as organizations in your local communities. And it's important not to delay when applying for benefits as they take time to process. And if medical bills threaten to overwhelm you, the experts recommend that you speak up immediately as many settings may offer a payment plan, they may cut the charges, or indeed they may have special funding. By all means, do not ignore bills, for once they go into collection, they are harder to resolve. This sounds like a tall order when you are sick, but there are agencies both private and nonprofit that can help you negotiate your medical bills. The Patient Advocate Foundation, for one, can assign you an advocate to intercede with your hospital or insurance policy. As noted, there are also resources to help you pay for cancer medications, aside from copay assistance, the pharmaceutical industry, also provides free product for uninsured and underinsured patients, and they also have reimbursement specialists who can work with your insurance company. When it comes to living expenses, let all your creditors know about your financial situation. You may be surprised by the positive responses from phone and utility companies or landlords willing to work with you before a crisis develops. Also, there are many voluntary organizations, as well as government agencies, both local and county, that offer emergency assistance, eviction protection programs, rent assistance, food uh, food programs, and property tax relief. Well, how do you find all these programs? Well, for starters, you can call us here at Cancer Care. 1-800-813-4673, to talk to one of our oncology social workers. You can also visit our website at www.cancercare.org to learn about Cancer Care's financial assistance programs to see if there's a program in your area or one that covers your disease. We also have information and free publications about coping with financial assistance, as well as counseling and support for many of your emotional concerns. All our services are free of charge. Before I end my conversation, I want you to know that there are places after we speak that you can research and find some of these programs. It's a big country, but both the American Cancer Society and the Patient Advocate Foundation maintain an excellent database of resources, both cancer-related as well as general financial assistance, that you can search by zip code. Needy Meds is an excellent organization. that that keeps a list of all patient assistance programs to help with medication charges. To find a program in your local community, I recommend that people call the United Way 211 referral number to talk to an information specialist to find voluntary organizations in your community, and the Area Agency of Aging maintains an elder care locator that you can also search by topic or by zip code uh, to find services in your community, things like transportation, home care, case management. In conclusion, there are resources out there that may address many aspects of financial concerns, so I advise people to get informed, to speak up, to get organized, and to ask for help. You are not alone. Thank you.
1: Oh, thank you so much, uh, Ms. Levy. That was really excellent. And now we have time for questions. We have a lot of time for questions, and um, I know that there are questions on the line because some of you have been posting questions. So I'm going to ask um, uh, Candice to explain to all of you how to queue up for questions. And um, we'd like to take as many of your questions as possible, and at the end of the call, if we haven't gotten to all your questions, I'll also give you information about how to get questions answered, not just that come up to you from today, but also in the coming weeks and months ahead. Uh, so, um, Candace, could you explain to everybody how to queue up for questions? And we'll, we'll see as many as we can take. And you'll please open all the speakers' lines as well at this
0: point. Thank, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question at this time, please press star and then the number one key on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered and you wish to remove yourself from the queue, you may press the pound key. Those of you on the web may submit questions by clicking Ask a Question. Again, to ask a question at this time, please press star 1.
1: And we have a question from of our online participants um, from Vince. Actually, um, And he actually is in Canada. So he says, um, are these benefits also available in Canada? What website or phone number to contact? Thank you. So um, that's an excellent question, and it's a question not just for our participants in Canada, but from all over the world in terms of these are resources that we've talked about primarily in the U.S., but I'm going to ask um, our speakers if they can address this in a general way in terms of both Canada, um, because Canada has a huge number of resources, um, and we always recommend that people start, of course, with their own way are being treated because the staff there can refer you to many of those organizations. Uh, Jane, do you want to comment on that in terms of just any resources we work with um, that come to mind for you that would be helpful in Canada?
6: Uh, uh, Cancer Care's financial assistance programs are only available to those who live in the United States um, or U.S. territories. Usually, we do refer patients in other countries to their own uh, cancer societies
1: for uh, resources in that area. Excellent. So, Vince, um, I think if you contact where you're being treated or if you contact the local. Um, Canadian uh, Cancer Society, um, they would be able to provide those resources for you as well. Um, I think,
6: yeah, I'm sorry, Carolyn. I believe also the National Cancer Institute on their website does have a listing of international cancer organizations.
1: So that would be at, uh, so you'd call the National Cancer Institute at www.cancer.gov. You can actually go to their website or you can call them Um, On their toll-free number at 1-800-422-6237, that number should also work for Canada as well. Okay, and um, a next question from one of our online participants, um, from Carrie. Um, There are many programs to help with uh, prescription costs, but the patients I work with often have large deductibles, uh, 5,000, for example, and need help with imaging and surgery costs. This is much harder to find. Any ideas for health with high deductibles for surgery and imaging? Um, so um, any thoughts about that? First of all, one we would suggest that you definitely speak to your healthcare team about that in um, in Maine. It's a good location to actually talk to your healthcare team there. And then um, uh, Jane and Michelle, do you want to comment on just any resources you can think of in terms of Copay or um, some of the resources you mentioned that might be able to help out?
5: And this is Michelle. Um, I mean, our co-pay programs are typically for the medications, um, so I would suggest that they maybe talk to the financial counselor where they're having these treatments, you know, the, the surgical procedures or um, other treatments, to see if the hospital itself offers any kind of a uh, payment program.
1: And, Jane, do you want to comment also? Because people may be eligible for programs in the state or...
6: Well, this is a little bit of a more indirect suggestion, but places uh, and organizations like Needy Meds have copay cards that patients can use for medications. Um, so for patients with high deductibles, they can use those cards. Now, that doesn't help with surgery or imaging, but it's really just another way uh, to save on costs to free up funds for other things.
1: Excellent.
3: Um, excellent. I I may have something for this, Dr. Messner. Oh, please. Oh, thank you. In in some parts of the country, there are uh, clinics called Volunteers in Medicine, which uh, have uh, clinics that are run uh, at no cost to patients, where the physicians and nurses are volunteers, um, and these uh, clinics often can access some limited budgets for blood tests and imaging studies. And if you live in a city where one of these clinics exists, then uh, they may be able to help you. I have also seen some in some of the smaller cities there are local foundations that are spe- specifically fundraised to help uh, patients access care, which they can't afford, especially for patients who have high deductible insurance. So, so, again, it's reaching out to the people who know your area and know the resources. But these are two things that I have seen exist across the country that may be of help to you.
1: That's an excellent suggestion, really going to the state local resources that may be existing. And then also, there are. Um, Jane, if you could say something about the federal and state programs that exist that people might not think of themselves as being eligible for and that might actually help to cover some of these costs. Um, well, people may, not
6: re- people may be eligible. Uh, some of the, you know, under uh, Medicaid may be eligible for expanded programs uh, in their state. And sometimes local, county, departments of health have uh, arrangements with certain hospitals and providers to provide uh, lower-cost services.
4: The other thing would also just be to review your your insurance claim. Sometimes um, all insurers do have an out-of-pocket maximum. So once you've met that, even with your deductibles or co-pays, Your insurer is supposed to be paying 100%. Sometimes the numbers aren't adding up, and there may be payments that you have made that have not been counted. It's also good to take a look at the EOB to make sure that this was an appropriate deductible, because depending on the type of service, uh, the extent of the deductible will vary.
1: Uh, That's very helpful, Donna. Thank you very much. That's excellent. Um, Very good Um, so I hope these are helpful suggestions. You, often people don't think they qualify for certain programs and don't realize that with these expenses that they may. So, um, and actually checking your insurance is really important as well. Thank you. Our uh, next question comes from one of our online um, participants, actually. someone, um, Please include information on the additional cost for survivors with lymphedema secondary to their cancer treatment. Um, Ms. Levy, can you address that?
6: Uh, yes, that is of concern. I will say that here at Cancer Care, through generous funding from Susan G. Komen, we do have financial assistance for breast cancer patients who have, um, who have uh, 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 needs for uh, lymphedema equipment and supplies. Uh, for lymphedema, for other types of cancer... Um, I think it would be helpful to check the American Cancer Society database to see if there is a local program in your area uh, that would help cover for lymphedema costs. Also, the National Lymphedema Network also has a list of
1: providers. Excellent. Thank you. And we have a question from one of our telephone participants.
0: Um, Yes. We have a question from the line of Susan L., Your line is now open.
5: Hi, I've heard a lot about limited um, uh, income assistance programs, but what if you have life and I have
1: investments, and so I don't have Susan, could we um, bump up, if we have a little trouble hearing you, can you just speak into the um, receiver a little bit more so we can hear you? Are there any
5: programs available for people who don't have limited income?
1: And have insurance or...
5: Uh yes, because you know, having worked my whole life, um it's it feels horrible to have to, you know, use all my savings um to pay for the cancer treatment. Uh, so are there any programs if you don't have limited income which mm-hmm. would still assist? That's a good question. Um actually <laughs> yes. I was gonna say this is Michelle. Um most of the programs that are actually available through the pharmaceutical companies um, are pretty generous. I mean, some of them have no income criteria. Others have, like, um, $100,000, um, you know, for a family. Um, and, and for cancer care specifically, our income criteria is between 4 and 500% of the FPO. So um, just to give you an example, for a family of two, I believe that's about 60, a little bit more than 60000 and that's based on the um, – the adjusted gross income. So that doesn't include
1: uh, assets. So actually, uh, that's a very good question, because sometimes people assume that they can't get a program based on their income. It's worth um, looking into the copay assistance programs.
5: Um, But also insurance. insurance. Definitely worth looking into, and most also have an appeal program. So if you aren't qualifying or if you don't think you're going to qualify, I would still suggest you call and speak with a representative um, because there could be an appeal or they could take into consideration um, the amount that you're paying for medical expenses as well. Excellent.
1: Um, Any other thoughts on this? So, someone with resources, but the question is: the Donna, um, do you want to comment on just the um, insurance and the appeal process with insurance as well? Someone who has well, I, insured but someone not getting totally covered?
4: Well, d- definitely if things aren't being covered and that's where you're seeing the bulk of your expenses, it's so important to, to file an appeal. And I think a lot of times people are intimidated and feel that the insurer knows uh, better than they do. Um, and oftentimes, Claims are reversed or insurance companies don't comply with the policy. And as I said earlier, it's a contract. So what's in your policy, they must follow. And if for some reason you're doing everything right and you're not getting a determination or you are trying to go through the external appeals or internal appeals and you feel like the insurer is not complying, you can file a complaint. And most of the state regulators are very consumer-friendly and willing to help you and speak directly to the insurer to make sure that they're complying with their role. Um, you know, I think, it's, again, we do have these out-of-pocket maximums, which, depending on the policy, can still be very high. But it's definitely the to appeal is, I think, the number one way to reduce your cost because almost always I see them getting overturned.
1: And Dr. Saltz, do you want to comment on this? Because I think you probably see patients who they may have uh, adequate income and insurance and all that, but they're still feeling like they're going to use up their entire life savings. And, um, is that something that they can discuss with their physician so that they can then bring that to the healthcare team and get a whole bunch of people to work with them that are in their center?
2: Yeah, I think regardless of a person's financial status, there's going to be some strain. There are very, very few people out there that are going to go through uh, the experience of cancer treatment without experiencing some financial concerns. Um, And uh, as you've heard from the other speakers, there are a variety of, of, of resources and options out there that you would never know about unless you talk to somebody with expertise. In addition... Uh, very often, uh, physicians do have a fair amount of latitude in terms of choices of therapies, and it may be possible to discuss. Well, this therapy really looks just as good, and it's a lot cheaper. Um, or that there, or or, or um, you know, is there really a benefit to doing uh, this particular scan versus that particular scan, where I might get a higher uh, amount of cost? In other words, the doctors have. In, I would say traditionally or historically, been insulated from any need to think about cost. But as more and more of the cost is shifting onto patients, doctors are becoming more sensitive to that. Letting a doctor know that that's your concern is an important first step in, in modulating your care, not compromising your care, but making some value-based decisions uh, that can really help you out.
1: Excellent point. Thank you, and I, I think that's so important. And, 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 Susan, that's a wonderful question that you've asked. It's important, and I think I would definitely recommend that you contact Cancer Care at the end of the program. We'll reach out to you as well, because I think you're also raising the whole issue of the emotional and social part of this. So I guess Dr. Fleischman, if you want to comment on that as well, but of really the impact of cancer and its treatments and its costs on the entire family and everybody um, impacted by wanting to do the best thing for someone and yet not decimate all the entire savings for family, children, and all that. So if you want to comment on that, Dr. Fleischman, as well.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with what you said. I think it's, uh, the idea is to balance the burden on you and your family with the uh, choice about care. And as Dr. Salt said, perhaps there is uh, another treatment where that may be uh, almost as good or as good that comes with a lower price tag or a fewer tests that are required. You really need to look at this from 360 degrees, or all sides.
1: And I hope that helpful. I hope it's helpful for many of you on the call to think about either not having the resources and needing to find resources or having resources, but also need to think about how to preserve them for family, children, and, and everything else that's important in your life. So. We do offer these programs because we want you to see the full picture here, and I think your questions have really been outstanding. I want to thank our speakers. Our speakers have been really outstanding. They've given lots of information. I know we could stay on the call all day, but uh, these are one-hour workshops, and so I I do want to remind all of you that um, this is one-hour program and that we want to thank both our speakers who are extraordinary and all of those who have queued up and asked questions, both on the phone and online. And I did want to say that I, I would give you all resources to contact at the end of the call, before we end the call. Um, so one is that if you have any questions that have to do with your medical treatment, but so sometimes you do have questions about that, um, I would definitely recommend, and it's come up during the call, to call the National Cancer Institute at 1-800-422-6237 or 1-800-422-6237 or visit their website at www.cancer.gov. And for those of you who really want to talk with one of our oncology social workers here at Cancer Care, or our co-payment assistance staff here, please do contact Cancer Care. I'm going to give you our our main number for Cancer Care at 1-800-813-4673, and that really is your portal to all the other services that we can offer for you. And our staff, our oncology social work staff, are really here to talk with you and spend time with you with each of your questions so that um, today, or as as time goes on, as you have concerns and questions, really do call us, because we don't want anyone to leave the call today feeling that you are alone. We want you to know that you're now part of the cancer care community and that we're here to help you. And that means that we we recognize that there are moments when you do feel alone, but we want you to know that we want to help you with cutting through that to some extent. With all the services we offer, both the counseling services, the financial assistance programs, the copay assistance programs, these type of workshops, um, all of our support groups, both online and on the telephone as well, um, those, all those services are put together to really provide you with that ongoing support on an ongoing basis. So, again, I want to thank you all for your participation. We have many more programs this month. Um, and um, I would encourage you to um, visit our website and, and you'll get information about all of our upcoming programs. Thank you all, and I want to wish you all a very fine day, and thanks for being part of this really extraordinary program.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes today's workshop, and you may all disconnect. Have a great day, everyone.